Chapter Eight of the Ins and Outs of Paris or Paris by Day and Night by Julie de Marguerite. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Odeon, the Grisette, and Franconiste. Our last chapter, long as it is, was not long enough to include all the theatres of Paris. So we must again cross the Seine and recommence our enumeration, beginning now with the Odeon, the only theatre in the Faubourg Saint Germain the largest the handsomest and the least frequented theatre in paris there are probably thousands of theatre-goers who have never been within its walls it is called the second theatre francais and depends on the government and management of the francais of the rue richelieu here it is that that stately establishment tries its young actors and plays its old pieces and here it is that the student and the grisette cultivate their taste for the drama an audience noisy and exacting but by no means unappreciative or cold the grisette have all a woman's instincts her sensibility her love of the marvellous her excitability and the students are severe judges classical scholars when they choose to remember it having also a quick eye for the ludicrous and a warm heart and stentorian lungs for the heroic and magnanimous in this theatre you will see almost every individual occupied either with oranges apples bonbons or galettes but the favourite pastime consists in eating those large fragrant browned roasted chestnuts which in winter tempt you at the corner of every street the grisette's apron pockets are full of them her companion's pockets are full of them and there is a further supply in the pocket-handkerchief by her side these chestnuts are hot and the ceremony of divesting them of their skins and of eating them gives rise to most expressive pantomimic evolutions for they sometimes burn the fingers sometimes the mouth and sometimes that part which comes in contact with the pocket when a man sits down how they shout how they caper what faces they make and above all how they laugh sometimes one of these rollicking behoys in the boxes will spy a friend in the pit and then without further ceremony he rises and having caught his attention carries on a confidential conversation in the hearing of the whole house no matter what is going on upon the stage if bocage is ranting our student only shouts the louder in order to outshout bocage at this theatre the obsequious box-keeper as usual a woman has almost a sinecure people dash about from one place to another without consulting her they go from the première galerie up to the paradis and then down to the pit without so much as raising their hats so she generally ends by sitting down in the corner of an unoccupied box and knitting quietly her good man's stockings sometimes however she may see a good-natured grisette or two whom she knows then it is her delight to sit down by them and relate anecdotes of all the actresses she has known all the wonderful changes of fortune that have happened to her she was of course a thoroughly unappreciated actress in her younger days and a deposed beauty infallibly then she will advise her hearers as to their prospects in life or listen to complaints of some mauvais sujet philemon adolphe or theodore who is scampering over the house with his graceless companions or she will sympathize with the sentiment for ce cher alfred or ce pauvre auguste who is so fond and so devoted to his cher anastasie or aspasie or olympe grisettes are as fond as negroes of fine names 
whom his embêtant professor has detained over some absurd study now it is a remarkable thing that this ouvreuse who in her day has probably been renowned for her gallantry though she will give some very shrewd advice as to the management of a rich lover still appreciates in the highest degree the value of a true affection she takes the deepest interest in all the details of such an attachment and with a sigh from her very heart a tear in her eye and a pinch of snuff between her fingers will exclaim ah ma petite true love is after all better than riches or fine clothes the grisette who frequent the odeon though perfectly unacquainted with etiquette manners or savoir vivre laughing loudly when pleased crying quite as obstreperously when affected by some deep tragedy eating incessantly and pointing across the house at their friends are not women of disreputable conduct or women who come here to seek their fortune they would reject a liberty or an impertinence quite as quickly and much more violently than any more staid or prudish lady a strange class are these grisettes and by foreigners how little are they known or understood in the first place the origin of their very name is perverted and the word grisette is supposed to mean an infamous class of women from whom they are as different and as far removed as they are from the timid young bourgeoise who has never left her mother's side grisette is nothing more than an historical name and means simply the wife or daughter of a burgher or a citizen who first by royal edicts and latterly by custom wore cloaks and dresses of sober grey gris all gorgeous colours being reserved for the silks and velvets of the dames and gallants of the luxurious courts la robe grise belonged to civil magistrates and the noblesse who often found prettier faces in their tailor's shop than in their own homes gave the pretty and graceful diminutive to the whole class of citizens wives and daughters and called them grisettes but as luxury and extravagance progressed in one class and thrift and riches increased in the other kings and nobles were forced to come to burghers and tradesmen for loans and credit then of course if there was accommodation on one side there were necessarily concessions on the other so that after a while rich grisettes began to infringe on the brighter and interdicted class then some burghers richer and more generous than others were by the grateful and needy lords invited to court some were presented to the king until finally the money-lenders bankers brokers etc became fermiers généraux the magnificent fouquet crowning the whole race you will easily imagine that the ladies had not been backward in profiting by all these honours and favours so that very shortly all distinction of dress ceased the traditional grey coat and robe were laid aside and the traditional word grisette though still retained descended a few grades it now means absolutely a young girl who earns her own living but it refers entirely to position and does not necessarily mean anything bad the character or reputation of a grisette may be as depraved or as virtuous as that of a princess whom in either case we call a princess now although this is theoretically exact yet a strictly virtuous grisette that is to say a girl thoroughly chaste who gives her heart only when she gives her hand like any other girl of family and position is not to be found except in the mysteries of paris where eugene sue has realized the species in rigolette but then the grisette's code of morality is not the same as that of the educated social world a virtuous grisette according to the grisette code means a girl who is faithful to one attachment who never has but one lover at a time and who does not change often 
the code of the grisette admits of no mercenary views and though she will not refuse a barret shawl sixteen francs or a pink bonnet ten francs or a tulle cap six francs from her beloved still she is quite as ready to give him a black silk cravat gloves handkerchiefs or anything within reach of her purse and between the student's purse and the grisette's the balance is often in favour of the latter it is singular though obvious that there is a great difference in refinement between the two sexes of the same class the workman and the grisette and thus naturally the grisette with her gentle voice her white hands her cat-like cleanliness is more suited to be the companion of young men of family and refinement if not of fortune than of rough-handed blustering workmen in these connections the advantage is entirely on the side of the man the grisette has all the cares of the community she comes for they do not positively reside together every morning before going to her day's work and puts some kind of order in the most disorderly of apartments she mends the shirts sews on the stray buttons and gives the things to the wash protection kindness and affection she gets in return but then she too is a tender nurse in sickness a never-failing friend in sorrow and as fond of him in the dark days as in the bright she exacts nothing but she expects to be fetched every evening from the boutique where she works to be taken out every sunday to be taken to see all the melodramas and once a year to be taken to the opera where the nakedness and attitudes of the dancers excite her wonder and shock her modesty then she must be perpetually supplied with sweet meats chocolate and chestnuts a bottle of cider or small beer must be occasionally offered walnuts and galette must be for ever on hand and you mustn't think any other grisette pretty though you may admire and she will admire with you the beauty and grace of any grande dame who falls in your way one of the hardest things for a student who leaves the schools and returns to his province or his home to assume his station and profession is to part with this kind-hearted partner of his youthful life and here is the rubicon of the grisette's destiny if she gets reckless if she forms too lightly another liaison and so change again and again then she loses caste and sinks till she is lost to all who knew her and loved her but usually as the grisette always has occupation and never depends on any but herself for support she takes steadily to work cries a little gets gradually a little older and is often before thirty the well-conducted well-looking wife of a hard-working mechanic or if she remain unmarried she becomes either partner with her employers or première demoiselle of the establishment which gives her two hundred francs per month the ambigu on the boulevards is also a great resort of this riotous and romping portion of the population eschewing the boulevard des italiens des capucines etc they congregate their pleasures on the boulevard du temple where in summer they delight in the jardin turc placed conveniently near three or four of the smaller theatres the gaieté the funambule the ambigu and franconi's yes franconi's where dramas are performed where horses take parts where the whole campaign of italy is enacted where napoleon seated on a real white horse as in david's picture really harangues real soldiers who can be hired as supernumeraries which saves much drilling and where all ascend to italy and glory over stupendous pasteboard alps here too a heroic poniotowski and his long-maned horse leap into a flowing ulster also like the picture of that hero by vernet great is the delight of the audience 
but more particularly of the grisettes who adore napoleon sympathize with josephine and apostrophize the sham marie louise whenever she appears in good round terms for her base desertion while some student well versed in the imperial history fills up the hiatuses of the drama with anecdotes explanations and running commentaries all uttered in a loud tone for the benefit of those around him between some of the eight or ten acts franconi thinks nothing of that there is a dash out of the student and the grisette a plunge into the cafe turc a miraculous absorption of ice creams or jatte and watery syrup a practical joke upon some old fogey a compliment to the pretty lady who takes your money a sprinkling of coppers to the gamin and then a rush back again with hands full of cakes and if the act has not begun an inveterate stamping shrieking and whistling till napoleon and his generals do the reverse of what they did in reality bring peace and tranquillity the workmen or mechanics have a profound admiration for the students and entertain very exalted but vague ideas of their immense learning and science they love their never flagging spirits their witticisms their jokes and have a great esteem for the carelessness of their costume a dandy being the abomination of the people of paris together the people and the students have made and unmade a good many governments the assemblies on the boulevard saint martin or a descent from the faubourg saint antoine are causes of great anxiety but when the students des écoles cross the seine and head the mob then come the days of barricades fighting and convulsion and yet these very men both students and people have an unmitigated admiration love and enthusiasm for napoleon who was the sovereign of despotism who decimated their ranks and led them to die on the sandy plains of egypt and the frozen steppes of russia but then he appealed to their imagination and flattered their vanity two great points which we recommend to the consideration of all political leaders End of chapter eight